touching another man's cigar. <laughs> this is <laughs> you guys come on and all I hear is touching another man's cigar. <laughs> Listen to me. This has been I have to say something because this is my first conference. You say what? something? No, no way. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my first Catholic conference, right? So um first of my my first time speaking, but not just my first time speaking, my first time at a Catholic conference. So my amazing friend, Father <laughs> like he gave me an opportunity here to speak, and he's very mad at me that I didn't promote him in the actual. Right. Right. There's a history. There, there's a history. So I thought, can you come on up? Oh wait, Carl Rivinger wants to come on. Too, so we're gonna fund you a week, okay? You know. So, all right. But I'm starting the Anthony career. But in all seriousness, for his first time speaking. He had several rounds of applause, and when he was done, the people were on their feet clapping. Okay, because Amazing. it was over. I'm dead no, serious. no, I, I honestly, so um, I don't know if people are being kind, right? Like, I, I think because everybody knew it was my first time speaking, so I think people are being kind. Um, but I'm, I'm really, I'm like unbelievably grateful to you for letting me do this. Like, it, it was, it was something I was so nervous about, and I was, I was so hesitant to even. Uh, do because I have a fear of public speaking, which is weird because all I do is talk, right? Like I, I don't shut up. Can confirm. But there's something about being in front of an audience, but um, you. And, I don't. And can what I say it? you? You were nervous. I mean, I'm I'm pacing not out of because I was nervous. I'm pacing because everybody's coming to me to put the fire out or to ask me where the switch is or something like that. Cause it's like, Oh, father level runs the coalition. He knows how the Hilton runs. Okay. You know, and so I'm, I'm walking around, but I see you back there on the sidewall and you're just like, you, I could tell Very you nervous. were concerned. I don't want to say you were worried or nervous, I was, though. but you wanted to make sure that you did a great thing and a, a great speech. And you did Anthony and listen, this is coming from a Chicagoan, okay, who gives him a hard time for not speaking. <laughs> to have Midwesterners on their feet clapping at the end of it, okay, it shows. It just shows your skill. Can I ask you something? When do these actually go up? And are they going up on your channel? So thanks to the tremendous talents of my producer, Joe Gallagher, and his production team, we are launching Monday morning our first talk. It'll probably be Abby Johnson's. Abby Johnson was right. Can morning. I say something? Yeah, so Abby, listen to me. Abby Johnson killed this morning, Rob. Like legit, sl had the whole place rolling. Hysterically funny. Great talk. Wasn't just about the typical issue that she talks about right. either. Like she got into other stuff too. Abby Johnson, and I didn't even bother her and go and talk to her. So it's not like I'm trying to Yet. kiss up to her in any way whatsoever. Yet. But last night, something so unique happened. So um, we went out to dinner. It was me, Kennedy, Eric, and Kennedy's friend. Uh, we bump into Father Dave Nix at the restaurant. After dinner, we come back to the Could restaurant. I interrupt you real yes, quickly? Of course. The restaurant they were eating in is the Capitol Grill in Rosemont. As a canceled priest, I had to work there for five years. I was one of the server bartenders there. And what's amazing is probably all the servers, probably the server that was taking care of you. Because when you get to that level of serving, you don't leave the restaurant, okay? And you're in Chicago. You're only making money at steakhouses or Italian restaurants, okay? And it was amazing when Father Nick said he went there and they ran into you and ran into Kennedy Hall. I heard about the incident, by the way, with Hakeem. Uh, it was just, it was just, it was just amazing to think. Two years ago, I might have been serving them. So, uh, so we get there, and um, well, you wouldn't have been serving me because I wouldn't have been here unless you started this thing. That's so true. that's I, and Joe Boca backed out. Yeah, that, yeah. a lot of things happened here. To, like I only am here because Joe backed out, and they needed somebody to fill in. Right, so. But so last night we come back to the hotel and outside the hotel it's me, Eric, uh, Jim Vogel. Oh, come on in, Joe. Come on, we can fit you in. So it's me, me, Eric, Jim Vogel, um, John Henry Weston. Like we had such an amazing crew last night hanging out. And when, listen, I just said to John Henry Weston a minute ago, I go, uh, not get that out of there, Rob. Uh, so I just said to him a few minutes ago, I'm so happy John Henry Weston was hanging with the hoi polloi. 
Like <laughs> he didn't like you know he's one of the biggest names here, right? But he came yeah. and like, just slummed it out with 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 us. Like he sat at the cool kids table. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> He's going to come on. So he's going to come on. I think Michael Hitchborn might stop by. The The people at this conference, I've had such amazing conversations with people that are just like-minded Catholics, all people that are understand there's something wrong going on. Um, it's been such a unique experience because this is my first time being at one of these. So you know how great this conference is? It has its own beer. It does. It has its own beer. So thanks to uh, Trinitine Brewery Company uh, for doing uh, Hefeweizen Dunkel, Desert Dweller. So I just want to say that right now. Mass of the ages. Margo, Margo <laughs> has been an amazing supporter. She told me she was going to heckle me during my talk. She didn't heckle I had to resist yelling chastity, screaming chastity when Anthony got to the chastity part of his speech. It was all I could do to restrain myself. <laughs> so Margo has been awesome. Uh, Connor, I have a little beef with. <laughs> a little beef with Connor. So Connor comes. He asked me to set interviews up for him. I set a bunch of interviews up for him, and then he doesn't even give me a microphone when I go on his show. He's like, "Yeah, hey, Anthony, you don't get a microphone." I'm like, oh, okay, Connor. So now tomorrow he wants. Oh, to and then and then he bumped you when I came yeah. in the room. That was so great. tomorrow. Connor wants me to get more interviews for him. Connor's going to be on his own. He's going to learn real quick. Oh, I'm getting John Henry West. You don't disrespect Anthony if you want more interviews. Connor's going to learn real quick. Um, So highlights of the weekend so far. First of all, we just. I I have one highlight of the weekend so far. What's that? Yeah. I took that picture. I took that picture. I take full responsibility. Yeah, you can freeze frame. Um, My (laughs) opening line was a roast of Eric Samus. But no, highlight highlight so far, I would say like the the high point of the weekend thus far, Jesse Romero delivered one of the most powerful talks I've ever heard. I mean, he literally had, we were eating dinner and people were like stopping eating to whistle and clap. That man knows how to deliver a good talk. Who who is your favorite so far? To be honest, and I'm not kidding, Anthony. I mean, you were one of the best. Eric Salmon's knocked it out of the park. And there was a simplicity to Eric Salmon's talk that was, Joe just ran into the bathroom, okay? But I kind of want to talk about the theme and I kind of want to talk about with any, without doing anything uncharitable. I want to talk about from where Joe came from, where he he coming from Church Milton had this idea that we need to be a house united. In fact, here he's coming now. Yeah, Joe, come back in because we want to talk to you. So you know, we we want to talk about about this and just and just talk about have a seat, Joe. Oh, you think you're bigger? So, It'd be best if I was. Oh, sorry. I, you know, I he just got bumped for his first I love it. Yes. I'm not even on the screen anymore. Joe, you're my favorite I'm now. That's it. Look at that. Step aside. I'm about to take the mic. Um, <laughs> all right. I want to ask Joe some tricky questions here. Um, why did you leave Church Milton? Wow, you really just... Oh, I'm going in. right in. <laughs> Why did you leave? And you don't have to give these... Like, what, what is it? Yeah, yeah, drink up. Let's go, Joe. Let's get into some dirt. We got to get, 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 get oh, yeah. it there. Turn that way. First of all, I just want to say something. Joe is... Uh, Joe gave, like, the, the warm-up talk for Jesse. Joe is... Uh, he's a he's a he's very talented, and he knows how to speak in a way that, like... like we were on the edge of our seats while Joe was speaking, and I actually yelled a question out to him. But I want to know, like, was there was it bad blood, or was it just you decided to move on? And because I know there's Sorry. some, so I don't want you to burn any relationship. I'm not asking you to say anything bad about anybody. No, was there bad. something that happened that you said, okay, let me let me take a different trajectory of my career? Yes, yes, there was. Um, I don't know if it would be best to, I, you know. I guess the best way to say it in in the best of terms is my understanding and from my experience with talking about the faith to other people is different than the approach Church Militants had chosen to continue down. Can, can I make an observation? Because it seemed like um, we're doing a House United. Yes. It seems like completely his idea. Well, that's why I'm bringing Joe's it up, right? Like, this is Joe's idea to do a House United, and it seems like, and, and I'm not trying to trash anybody over there. It just seems like they have no concern for uniting anybody. It seemed like 
and I, and I love that the theme of this whole thing was a house united. Like, I feel like, so Jesse gets up and Jesse's like, he gets, especially on like, guys, we have to stop nitpicking things. Like he, he basically said like, like, why are you going after this little fire in the driveway when the whole backyard is on fire? Right. So I do love the idea of a house united. How do you guys go about picking uh, the speakers for this? I picked all the speakers. It was, I reached out to them. I mean, it takes a year to do this uh, type of conference. And to be honest with you, Joe came in at the right time, maybe not for him, but I, we, we would not have been able to pull this off today without his help. It's as simple as that. Thank you very so. much. That's very kind. Um, okay. So now you guys, you guys started planning this a year ago. Oh yeah, right after right after the last one, we started planning it, and you'll start Absolutely. planning the next one after as soon as this is. Yeah, over. well, see, this this is the great question because doing conferences like this are not cheap, and, and let's keep something in mind because we were being criticized about the price. Okay, the cost of the tickets is not even covering everything here at the hotel. We we rely on sponsorships. Uh, shout out to LifeSite; they they were big sponsors for this, but it doesn't even cover that. Okay. And, you know, people always complain about ticket prices, but our ticket price is half the price of the Catholic Identity Conference, almost half the price of the Angeles Press Conference. Napa Institute Conference, $2,400. That doesn't include room and board or travel. That's just to get a ticket. You know, and our lineup is better. All right. I made it quite clear. I was just interviewed by John Henry Weston. We had no, no speaker that was the b team none everybody is the a team and we're we're only done with the first day can i we have another day Father? no joe you can't <laughs> I'm, I'm totally ahead on i, I think rob love that yeah um i think that the uh the reason this conference is was so is so worth it especially for all of the attendees sure the lineup is bar none it's fantastic but the reason that this conference is so impactful, so important, so worth the value, which it could have been much more, as you mentioned, Father, is because of the House United theme. There is nothing more important than for Catholic media to realize how stupid it is to fight with each other. It's stupid for anybody to attack Abby Johnson because they think that she's a grifter. It's stupid for mm -hmm. people to waste their time making arguments about why this person shouldn't be as important as the public deems them to be. It's stupid to argue over things that really, I'll put it this way. Who do you think has a higher likelihood of going to hell? Somebody who says, you know what, after chewing on it, researching, and my conscience as formed as it can be and talking with my spiritual director, I think I'm going to go to an SSPX mass versus somebody that says, oh, no, it's just a cracker, and I live with my girlfriend, and I pray to crystals every day. Whose soul is really in danger there? And it's an obvious answer. I, I, I want to say something. So, okay, so we had um, Doug Barry spoke today. Like, if Barry. you guys knew Doug the, Barry. If you guys Barry. knew the list of speakers that came on today. So last night, um, Father Lavel texts me. He says, come up to my room, bring your own glass. I'm like, what's he, what's he talking about? I go up to his room. It's it's him, Father Von Trecco, which if you guys don't know Father Von Trecco, just look him up because he has such an amazing – he is his, – His homily, which the Revenant published, is just – which got him in trouble. It's just excellent. It's Father Dave Nix up there. Father Altman's up there. Like, I'm sitting in a room of – like I'm like, what am I doing in this room? Like I had no business sitting in this room. I was I, when you texted me that I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And when I stepped in that room, I was like, what am I doing? You know, here? it's funny that you say that because after I texted it to you, I'm thinking Anthony only met me today for the first time for in the person. First time in person. person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, a priest texts you, come up to my room, bring your own glass. Okay, okay. Just as this show started, just like you know, I don't like touching a, another man's cigar. Okay, what happened was the sign, I want to clarify for, for all the Karens out there, I want to clarify that one of the speakers was smoking a cigar. Not me, I don't smoke. But it set it down on the Tridentine Brewing sign, and I asked him to move it. 
and said, I don't want to touch another bad cigar. I said that right as we were going live. So I just want to clarify something. It was a cigar. So so last night, I come up to the room, and it's a, it's a round table, right? And all priests, like amazing priests. And we just start talking. And I start kicking around my thesis a little bit. And it just started an amazing conversation. Father Von Trecko, um, just such deep insights, that man. Like he just really floored me and just some of his deep insights. This is this is a man who comes in through the Anglican ordinariate and just starts speaking the truth and winds up getting excommunicated. Like you're not talking about he gets he got excommunicated. And this man has such a deep love for the church and Jesus Christ. It was just such a, a, a deeply moving. And can I interject here? You don't even have to be a canon lawyer when you see the reasons to know that this was completely bogus, okay? He's not excommunicated, okay? The bishop that tried to decree him excommunicate couldn't do this. And this should be overturned in Rome in a second, okay? But the last several years, and I'm hearing this from solid Roman canon lawyers. When I say Roman canon lawyers, I mean ones that are accredited to argue in front of the Vatican Supreme Court, the Apostolic Signatura. A lot of people don't know this. Even in the United States, only certain lawyers can argue in front of the Supreme Court. Same thing at the Vatican. Even they're saying, okay, it is screwed up. And by the way, it didn't start under Francis. It's been a problem that's been developing for years, if not decades, where the Vatican courts are just deferring everything to the bishops. Oh, that everything that to the bishops. That didn't start under Francis? No, no, this was... This is happening even under Benedict and John Paul. It was brewing under them, and it came to fruition under Francis, yes. But uh, we were seeing this. Because remember, I was canceled when Benedict was still Pope. That's how long I've been canceled. Wow. When I was canceled, I was 32 years old. So you got No, excuse me. I was 31 years old. That was under Benedict? That was under Benedict when I got canceled. I didn't know that. So, okay, so in my talk, part of what I said was, um, yes, talk, yes, oh, thank you. I, honestly, I, great talk. Uh, so you guys, part of he's it, gonna be insufferable so to deal with now. No, honestly, I think that <laughs> it was, was being that was absolutely the worst talk. I think, ever. yes, I think that's what it was. So, <laughs> but part of it was that, like, okay, so for the past 12 years, we've seen something different, right? Like, even when Benedict was in, you saw National Catholic Reporter would still get told they couldn't be Catholic, you know, say they didn't Catholic. New Way's ministry wasn't allowed to preach at parish you know, diocesan parishes. But you're saying even before Francis, there was still this hostility towards any kind of tradition at that point. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But it's not so much tradition. It What it comes down to is that it's this, for lack of a better term, this boys club among the bishops. Okay. Who do you have running the Vatican? Now they call them the castries, the Vatican congregations and, and the courts. Bishops. Bishops. Oh. And we just lost the feed. Oh, no. um, you know, bishops. So, um, you know, and they're, they're, they're supporting each other, okay? Yeah. It's always the benefit of the yeah. doubt goes to the bishop. Now, some might argue, well, you know, the, the bishop is the successor of the apostle. He's the father of the diocese. He should have the benefit of the doubt. And in one sense, that's true. But when you have a diocese like Rockford, where you have over a dozen priests, medium-sized diocese, 500,000 Catholics, and you have over a dozen priests canceled, which, by the way, the uh, Illinois State's Attorney just came out with the list of credibly accused over the last 70 years. None of the canceled priests are on it. There's no accusation, no allegation. All right? He's just getting rid of priests because they don't like them. I have to say something because, okay, so somebody gave me a hard time on Twitter the other day saying, like, why are you going to these canceled priests should be like Padre Pio, and they should... Let me just explain something to you. Brian McCall had a great talk about that today. Okay. Of the difference between a vow and a promise. I don't know if you heard it. It was excellent. So I I just want to say something. Like, we're in a position where if the priests don't speak up, like, we have no chance. I have met men this weekend. and And I've been talking to priests all weekend. Like, I have met men who are just... It's 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's such a unique thing to meet priests who actually believe the faith. Like I, oh, my whole life, I've been going to priests and going to confession to men who you're not sure. 
Mm-hmm. Like every priest at this conference has a deep devotion to Jesus Christ. They they love him and his church. This isn't just some. It, it's it, it's it's just been a very unique experience to meet real priests who really believe the faith. And I don't think most people have ever encountered that. I think most of us have. We go to parishes and we just assume our priest does believe the faith. But when you're going to the typical parish, you don't really know what's going on with your priest. And I've met men this weekend. I mean, I, me and Father Dave Nix. Father Dave, come back in here. Come on. He's, he's got to come. Pop in behind me. And this um, This man who's coming in the frame in a second over yeah. here. Take my seat. Mm-hmm. I'll stand. Sit. Come on. Sit. No, I'll just sit behind sit. you. Listen to me. Come and squeeze out. I want you in frame. Look at this guy. Let me just explain something. Get right there. We have had such amazing conversations just talking about the, 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 the crisis we all face, like every single Catholic is facing. This isn't just... Oh man, like we so we're hammering out the church and the anti-church, and we're talking like, like the theological discussions we're having this weekend are the most intense and interesting conversations I've ever had in my life. They're they're amazing, and it, and and I've never been at a conference where we're holding court out in front of a hotel with fifteen twenty of us, and everybody has something interesting to say. Have you ever done that at your parish, Rob? <laughs> no. Honestly, right? Like when you go to church and There's you have, a, even if you have a men's group and you have a traditional men parish, you're not meeting guys that are passionate about that. This was, so, if you guys have never gone to a conference like this, like I am praying you do this again next year. Well, and, and see, that's what it comes down to is that, you know, last week, Joe and then my executive assistant, Kayla, were talking. Do we do this again next year? Because we're actually, in one sense, behind the ball, we don't have a location. Okay, we've decided we're not coming back to the Hilton. Oh, really? Uh, well, yeah, for a variety of reasons. Uh, but, you know, um, we, we have to ask ourselves, do we want to do all this work? But see, what happens today, today was a very smooth day. And I, I was happily surprised. Now, Joe's going, you know, no, it's not a very smooth day. He made it a smooth day. Okay. See, he from the outside, day. I'm looking and I have had nothing but... Um, like I've had the best time. I did not even know there were speed bumps. Oh behind, no! Behind and, closed and, doors. and mistakes are going to be made. But you know, we're kind of thinking to ourselves: Do we want to keep doing a big annual conference where we're constantly <laughs> being criticized for price for this? Somebody went on onto the internet. Father Dave Dick sent it to me. I can't remember who it was. You know, complaining that we're in a hotel that has a Starbucks in it. Okay. You know, and look, I'm I'm not criticizing people. I'm, I, for some reason, I'm getting Anthony upset. I don't no, know. but I'll tell you why. Because somebody Anthony. actually did criticize. I put I know, a picture I and they saw a Starbucks and I'm like, it's the only option for coffee here, guys. Like, that's the only, I don't, it's not like we all like, oh, let's go to Starbucks. Like, we're freaking hipsters. Like, there's there's one option for coffee here. I went and got Starbucks this morning. I, you guys have a problem with that? Take it up with me. Not <laughs> anybody. That was my cup in the picture. Joe, <laughs> jump in. I'm going to jump in. I so I don't know, man. I I I think that there are some things where it's like CEO of Starbucks has literally said, "If you're Christian, I don't want your business." Yeah. I love coffee. I love caffeine. You calling me a heathen because I had Starbucks this morning? I wouldn't All say. Right. Calling He's calling me a heathen. What I'm saying is, we could totally. Everybody would have a horrible time. Wow, Margo just <laughs> threw father out of the picture. Margo, you got that award, Margo. <laughs> got nerve, Margo. I'm in the frame. No, you're not in the frame. We're having a conversation. Um, so, okay, so you're saying I shouldn't have Starbucks. Right. I'm not going to say that you no, should have. I don't mind. I can take it. I'm saying that like you have the opportunity to not. You're right. And um, I think that, yeah. I will never drink Starbucks, ever. Okay, can I weigh in on this? Yeah, weigh in. All right, so Steve Cunningham's a friend. We were texting before he exposed our Starbucks drinking. Yeah. But, you know, it's like. I don't drink coffee. Oh. Starbucks has never gotten. It was my Starbucks. I'm not, I'm not blaming it on anything. He drinks my yum, Starbucks. Oh, great British tea. That's <laughs> Indian tea. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't <laughs> that was passive. Passive. 
It, it, sorry, it's it's the Father <laughs> David Dix conference here this weekend. I'm sorry. So go ahead, Father. So do you remember that time in the Old Testament when King David is going up the mountain and Shimei is throwing rocks and uh, and everything at him? And they said, should we take him out? He says, no, he might be prophesying more than God. Can you guys hear Father Dave? People hear me? No. No, come closer. Come on. Yeah, I'll make this quick. See, Cunningham's right. I broke my 10-year fast against Starbucks today. Steve Cunningham exposed me. I was mad at him at first. He's right. I shouldn't have been drinking it. Uh, no, I will say about something about Steve Cunningham. Steve Cunningham's my friend. Steve Cunningham loves to point the speck out in his brother's eye and doesn't ever look at the log in his own. I like my Starbucks. Shut up, Steve. But Kennedy pointed out he's got a bunch of gym equipment probably made by Chinese slaves. Exactly. Well, how do you escape it? I mean, this microphone. Yes, the microphone, the your cell phones, your laptops, it's really all hard. made. Like, those, at a certain point, there's no other so options. Steve is right, but he's also wrong. I mean, yes, everyone could have bought their own, like, pro-life coffee or something. Um, that Maybe we could have done that. But so, we make us the so you just call this the misfit. Look at all the misfits. On so, um, somebody, somebody named Avoiding Babylon is asking, did Jake Tate pay Margot to be in every shot? No! No! <laughs> I'm here with myself. I am not here. Uh, <laughs> Who is this Jake Tate guy anyway? So, uh, Margo has been a doll all weekend. I don't know why she decided to be obnoxious right when we went on air, but she's been so awesome all weekend. Um, stuck right in the middle. Um, to the left and all right, so to the right. let me get let me get let me get control of this. So no, off the rails. <laughs> off the rails. So, um, so you're saying you guys don't have a venue for next time? You're not sure. Not yet. You're going I mean, to and to be honest with you, we should have already had it. We did last year. Um, well, we had another venue, and then we switched to this one, which, in my opinion, was a mistake. Um, not that uh, the staff here hasn't been very good to us. At least some of them have been very good to us. Um, but uh, you know, we want to get. Um, to a place that we can sell affordable tickets, but you know, I keep telling. I said this earlier. Okay, we we for the lineup that you're getting, we're getting the we're getting the cheapest lineup. But you'll still have people complain, no matter where we go, who's, no matter how we do it. Somebody's going to find a complaint about who's something. tomorrow's headline. John Henry Weston. John Henry Weston. He's coming on the show. I want I want to tell you guys something about John Henry Weston. That man. Like, okay, so he came last night, and, and I'm like, and I saw him talking to, like, he was far away. Like, he's at a distance. And I'm like, I really hope John Henry Weston comes and hangs with us. Like, I would have been really mad if he That man came and hung in the slums with us. Like, he came, had conversations with us. I'm going to get him on. Kennedy, go get John Henry Weston, and you guys are up next. We'll kick him more go out of here. You yes. can go get John Henry Weston. And the two of you I'm, come in I'm here. leaving here in a little bit. I've been I up since four. Go get him. Now you come in. I barely said two words. It's not thing. about that. We need room. So go go get him. <laughs> Kennedy. First of all, I got to tell you guys something about Kennedy, too. Kennedy's been my wingman all weekend. So I got here yesterday at 10 a.m. I was in my hotel room alone. Did you just did you just bring him along so that he can say sorry to everything you <laughs> Kennedy's been apologizing. He to just me apologizes all for you all so weekend. I, no, so I get here, and Kennedy doesn't get here until like five o'clock. I was in my room from ten a.m. to five p.m. I know. I got text every John Henry minutes. Weston, come on over. All right, we gotta make some room for John Henry. No, no, I gotta get going. All right, listen, the man, the myth, the legend, John Henry Weston. I want to interview John Henry Weston. We're going to have this conversation right now. Joe, you are awesome. We're gonna talk again. See you, Joe. All right. Who's sitting down? Just the two of you? You two. Come on. You, me, you, and John Henry Weston are going to sit and talk. So, all right. So, okay. So, I was just telling everybody last night I got here and I see you inside the hotel. And I looked in and I went, okay, that's John Henry Weston. He's, you know, he's, he's John, like every, he's the mythical John Henry Weston. We all know him. And he's been, he's been the guy that a lot of us have looked to for our Catholic news source for years. I was worried you were going to be somebody who didn't hang with the everyman. You came right out and had a deep conversation with us last night. And even tonight. 
Father, I got I was really worried you were going to not be like that. I was so surprised at the humility of you just coming out and just having normal conversations with us. Have when you go to these conferences, because you guys don't realize how many people come up and approach this man. Like, I mean, every single person at this conference wants to have a conversation with him. So when you came last night, you come and you and you came to that group. Did you think, who are these weirdos? <laughs> like, did you think, like, who's this maniac over here asking me all these questions? No, I, I love coming to these things because you get to meet your brothers and your brothers in arms. I'm honestly no one special. I yeah. don't deserve to be where I am, um, and I'm honored to fight alongside you guys. So I, I asked John Henry Weston last night. I said, okay, so what was the point where you went from me? Because, okay, so under Benedict, you are completely still – everybody loves LifeSite. You're, you're able to be featured in – you know, you're doing the Catholic speaker circuit like Scott Hahn and everybody else. When was the change? What happened where – a change came where you all of a sudden became the scary John Henry Weston, as opposed to welcome with open arms, John Henry Weston. Yeah. I don't know that we've changed. We did. So in 2013, when we noticed something was wrong with Francis was day three of the papacy, when he praised Cardinal Casper, um, we knew Casper to be what we perhaps pejoratively would say was Casper, the friendly humanist. Um, and it was basically the cardinal who, in the words of Mother Miriam, would deny Jesus to the Jews. And Mother Miriam's been very clear. We say Amish on this show because the Amish, I have to tell you why, because the Amish don't have technology and they don't have an anti-Amish defamation league. So instead of saying the people of the old covenant, we refer to them as the So I just told John Henry Weston... I'm at the Amish, guys. <laughs> okay. So, it got really confusing so the night you went after the actual So that I guess Mother Miriam would have been Amish before. Correct. Mother Miriam, <laughs> so, a former Amish person, is now Catholic. Yeah. And and she would say the greatest form of anti-Amishness would be to deny, <laughs> to deny Jesus to the Amish. Although yes. this doesn't work as well, but anyway. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I love that you're using it. Anyway, um, so... That was the thing we knew about Casper. And so it was to praise Casper, because if you remember back in the 80s, um, you're too young to remember back in the 80s. But that's I was born in 82. There we go. So okay. you wouldn't remember this debate. But in the 80s, they had the same divorce, remarriage, communion debate. And what year in the 80s? This was, would have been 84, 5, 6. He was they, arguing. So, with, so, so Casper's position, in, it, it comes up that early. Yes, he was with two other German bishops, um, uh, Oh, whose names will escape me right now. But they were arguing with Ratzinger at the time, who was then the head of the CDF, wow. about the same issue. And it was trounced back then only to be resurrected. Um, so, all right. So when Pope Francis comes out and talks theology on the knees, this is a phrase that's not new. Because that's the first time I ever heard well, that. Well, no, that phrase might, I, I'm not sure the origin of that phrase, but. The praise of Casper, and that's what he said about him, that he does theology, theology on, the knees, on the knees, was very alarming because anybody who knew Casper knew he was a heretic. Yes. So, or a heretic, maybe I shouldn't say that. We knew he was unorthodox. Pushing, yeah, pushing heretical positions, we'll yes. say that, right? Like pushing pushing unorthodox so, positions. Exactly. And so, and it was well known. It was a, a very heated debate even at the time in the 80s. So that was more than alarming. And you got to understand, oof, the, the rumors were true. Now, if you rewind and look at the first day of the election, which I didn't see, I heard on radio, but the first day of the election, he actually had Daniels on the balcony. Yeah. That should have sent alarm bells through everybody. But I didn't see it. Lots of people didn't see it. Um, and Daniels is really short anyway, so he could have been missed. So, so what happens on day three that raises the alarm Day three is just the praise of Casper, does theology on the knees. And then shortly thereafter, you have the Pope ask Casper to give one of the main talks, which launches that whole debate, which led into the first synod on the family, the whole question, and then number two and so on. But so we... Still, though, tried to do what you might call apologetics for Francis. It was, he was saying things that sounded so ambiguous, sometimes weird, and we would make 
an apologetic. In other words, we say, I, I remember writing, this is what Pope Francis cannot mean. Yeah. He cannot mean by who am I to judge that it's okay. He was saying it with reference to a priest, right? And maybe I said, maybe he thought that it was because the priest might have repented. Do, do you recall back when Benedict uh, made the condom comment? So, so Benedict was talking about a person who had AIDS wearing a, com- a condom. That might be his first turn toward morality. Do you, do you remember that? Yes. Okay, so we all defended that because obviously the news took that out of context and it, said it, Benedict is was approving condom. And that's not what he meant at all. No. So at what point do you go from... Um, Nor did Benedict say he wasn't still in mortal sin. Right. It could have been his first turn toward some kind of morality, but he's still in moral sin. Um, you know, he's he's Benedict saying he's doing it for uh, an um, altruistic reason, right. perhaps. You know, so but that's so. At, w- at what point do you stop trying to square the circle and def- and Pope's play? Because that's really what this, right? Yeah. Like, the, w- at what point do you say, okay, we're no longer going to Pope's blame, We're just going to say this is problematic. Yeah, twenty fourteen. Uh, was when we basically said, this is too much. The faithful had to know. And it for us, it was never a matter of being anti-Pope. It was a matter of, and I was asked this before, you know, well, if you were to meet Pope Francis, what would you tell him? For me, that was really easy. I would tell him, Holy Father, I'm afraid for your soul. Yeah. Because I love you enough to tell you that, you know, we we have from our Lord the warning about the millstone. And in the past, we almost started, we wanted to give awards called the millstone awards because a lot of bishops deserved the millstone. Yeah. You know, it was <laughs> it's like the Catholic Darwin with heretical things that would confuse the little ones. And you know, I've got eight children. Yeah. My oldest right now is 26. My youngest, yeah, is 11, but I've got in, in the 26 to, to uh, 17, 18-year-old age, I've got seven in that age right now. And so they're like teens during all of this hell, and it really is hell. hell. And so they were confused. I had a child call me from college when the Pope on July 16, 2016 said cohabitation is real marriage and has the grace of real marriage. Like you, like We have to think about that's the Pope of the Catholic Church mm-hmm. trying to say that relationships, not marital unions, have the grace of marriage. Yeah. Now, he was, to be fair, talking about people in northern Argentina who he said uh, he saw such fidelity in those relationships. They were just afraid of marriage. So by the time they had, you know, uh, children, they might get engaged. And then by the time they had grandchildren, then they get married. But he said he saw in those cohabitations grace, the grace of real marriage. And he said they were real marriages. So I've asked several cardinals because I met cardinals who didn't even want to talk to me because I was talking about these things, even though I talked to them for years before. And they wanted to talk about anything but that. So I've talked to them about you know, other things, the latest book they wrote or whatever. But as I was leaving this one particular cardinal one time, I said to him, I'm glad, Your Eminence, you're speaking about this stuff with your brother cardinals, because the dubious stuff, it's its out of my league, and I, I totally understand that. But could you please express to your brother cardinals the gravity of the situation? Look, and I explained the story. My, my One of my children called about that statement of the Holy Father, and I, I'm, she's, my, my, one of my children said, you know, hey, did the Pope just say cohabitation yeah. is real marriage? Has the grace of real marriage? And I asked the cardinal, was I supposed to lie to my daughter? And what did he say? He said, did he really say that? And I said, Eminence, I'll show you the video. Because he said it in Rome, yeah. on video. And the response was, remember what the scriptures say, even if I or an angel from heaven were to come and preach another gospel, let him be anathema. So they get it, but they're not paying attention. The actual cardinals, the actual bishops who are faithful are not actually paying attention. Yeah, and when we're talking about messing with marriage, right? Like, we know marriage is an emblem of the divine, right? Like, we know that man and woman coming together as in a union, and nine months later, they have to give that union a name because the love is so real. That is an emblem of the Trinity. So when they're messing with marriage, or when Francis comes out, so with me, it was Amoris Laetitia comes out. 
I actually lost my faith and I stopped attending the sacraments because they were actually promoting the sin of Judas. That is the sin of Judas. To, to give people the Eucharist when they're in mortal sin is no way you can say that's mercy. It is the opposite of mercy. It is actually heaping condemnation on that person's soul. So uh, for me, it was a, a, a point where I actually left the faith because it was so hard to square the circle. And coming back, hearing people like you, hearing people like, honestly, Tim Gordon and Taylor Marshall on the TNT show, when they're hearing men actually speak the truth about it is what brought me back in. So you don't realize, I know a lot of people give us grief for speaking out on these things, but you don't realize how important your role is that people understand, okay, I'm not crazy. There are other people who are faithful Catholics who are seeing the same thing I am. Like, don't ever think for a second you're doing something wrong because your role, people like you and those men actually are what brought me back in after I left the faith. It's very important that we do speak the truth and don't try to make people think they're crazy for noticing these things. It's very important. So now you're at a point where um, everyone is... Uh, it's basically we've we've had to pick sides, right? Like, I mean, you have these people who are trying to. It, it, it's it's so obvious at this point, right? Like, it's like you have to pick a side. So it we we get declared rigid and and all these things, but how do we remain Catholic through all of this? How, like, how do how do we maintain faith through the Francis papacy, knowing these things are happening? I think that there's an easy answer. We just had the readings in mass. Pray for your, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And in a family, if you have an abusive dad, he's still your father. You still respect him as your father. But as an adult, you would have to correct him as, as in the words of St. Paul, you know, take him up to his face. Like Jesse just sold this conference today. And we would do this with the Holy Father with great respect and great love. We pray for the Holy Father every day at LifeSite. We pray for his conversion, though. And, you know, I'll tell you a little story. It's funny. I actually still hope for Francis' conversion. That might sound insane. But uh, I kid you not. I, I Listen, we need a Pope who has that kind of chutzpah. Francis seems not to care at all what anybody thinks. We actually need it in the other direction. Yeah, it's 100% true. Listen, Francis canceled Burke. Yeah. He canceled. How could he cancel Sarah? It's crazy. Who would cancel Sarah? He's the blackest guy in the world. Gentle, beautiful man. No, 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 just politically. From the left. You're right. He's black. He's not just black. He's like the darkest black in the world. I love children. He's my favorite person in the world. How? Cancel about it like that? There's no way. It's Every crazy. Francis would say, "Well, yeah, we just gotta well, wait I, him out." I think no, Francis has the chutzpah to go. No, you're not. Well, I think honestly, because none of this has anything to do with race. Even the politically correct stuff has nothing to do no, with race. It always has to do with what you believe, right? That's why they'll say, "Say to somebody, you're the black face of white supremacy." Has nothing to do with actual race. And Biden can say to a black guy, well, "I was shocked. You're not gonna vote for me. You ain't black." I was shocked last night to learn John Henry Weston is German. I couldn't believe it last night. This man speaks German. <laughs> so, John, I am—I cannot tell you how grateful I am and how uh, humbled I am that you're, I mean, you have been such a normal, everyday Catholic. I've been so excited to hang out with you this weekend. Thank you so much for sitting and talking with us. I'm looking forward so much to your speech tomorrow. I want Michael Hitchborn on. Let's go. Get over here, buddy. We have questions to ask. Michael Hitchborn's hanging. We're going to bring him on now. Michael you were so in your element. Oh, no worry. <laughs> so I want Michael Hitchborn in. I, like, guys, the the men that are at this conference and just hanging, like just hanging with their with the hoi polloi. It's just such an awesome thing. So, Lepanto Institute. What? When did you start that? I started in 2015. Uh, it was the outgrowth of some investigations I'd been conducting while I was working in the pro life movement with American Life League. So I, for years, I'm watching uh, Michael Hitchborn and the Lepanto Institute and watching some of the investigations you're doing into where our donations are going. Okay. We have, okay. So we have 20 minutes and then I have to go and do an interview. But okay. So I'm, I'm, for years, I'm watching you. Like, when do you start diving into where these funds are going that we're all donating to the church? What made you even do it? Well, it started with 
an assignment that I got at American Life League where we were looking into organizations that were undermining the pro-life movement. And I had a video series on YouTube and it was pretty popular. And uh, I was exposing things going on with Planned Parenthood and, yeah. and various other international agencies. And, and somebody sent me a tip and said, you know, you really ought to look into the Catholic Campaign for Human Development. I thought, okay. So I looked into it and I, I did a report because I found some groups that they were funding that were acting directly against the culture of life. And I, in my na naive mind, I was thinking, okay, so, you know, the bishops are going to thank me for this. You know? <laughs> oh, my God. oh, yeah. And what year is this? This was in uh, 2009. And um, the pushback that I got was so severe that immediately my response was, oh, they're covering something. Yeah. So I started diving. This is deep. 09. This yeah. isn't this isn't 2017 summer of shame. Oh. This is 2009, uh -huh. and you find this stuff, and 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 the bishops are like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And they're like, "Hey, don't look over here. Don't look behind the curtain." And I'm going, "Oh, I got to look behind the curtain." I how how long there. do you think this has been going on? Oh, decades. Decades. Before the council or after the council? Just after the council. Well, in terms of funding, after the council. Okay. Be Something happened at the council. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it, like, what, whatever anybody's opinion is, something happens at that point, and then that's when things just start getting strange. So, okay, so you find this in 09, you start finding shenanigans going on. You look yep. into it. You think the bishops are going to be happy you find it, and you get pushed back. Yep. That makes you dig in deeper. Absolutely. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if you, if you throw a dog a steak, and then snatch it from him and, and try and hide it under a barrel, what's the dog going to do? Yeah. The dog's going to dig for more meat. So that's exactly what I started doing. And I, I started finding that there were problems not just with the CCHD, but with Catholic Relief Services. And then I discovered something called the Millennium Development Goals of the United Nations, and I found how there were hundreds of Catholic organizations that were behind the push for this thing. And I was like, well, what are the Millennium Development Goals? And I started looking into it. It's an international, it's an international population control program disguised thinly as a poverty reduction program. And I thought, there's no way the Catholic Church can get behind this. And now we have a pope who is pushing it in Laudato Si. And okay, so before yeah. Francis, the popes weren't openly doing this, but the bishops mm. were still doing this yeah. behind closed doors. That's right. So everything's all going on in secret. Mm -hmm. Is there a way if we? Okay, so. I know we can't donate to the second collection at Mass, yeah. because that second collection is always shenanigans. Mm. But how about the first collection? Does that go to the diocese? Does that go to the, the parish? How does that work? Because we, the, a lot of us have good parishes sure. that we want to help support yep. our parishes. So the best thing you can do to support your parish is to do one of two things. One, you can itemize where your donation goes. You can say, I want to make sure that my my funds go directly towards the, the purchase group. of vestments okay. or the electric bill or uh, the purchase of uh, e even just hosts. Okay. So you can mm. itemize what you want and legally they are bound to make sure that oh, that wow. money goes directly towards what you itemized. Oh, that, that's good advice. That means that it can't be taxed by the Bishop. The other thing you can do is set up a, um, a your own separate foundation for the parish that is lay run and the, the foundation says, okay, Father, what needs to be paid for? Yeah. And they'll cut a check for specific things, and that way it stays out of the hands of the bishops. This is such a tricky thing for us, right? Like, mm -hmm. we, we want, we love our church. Like, yep. we, like we're in such a weird situation. And, and at well, and one of the precepts time. of the church is that you have to, you have to support the church financially. That's yeah. one of the precepts. So how do you do that? You can do that by, say, giving money to religious orders like a, a monastery or a convent or something along those lines. You don't even have to technically support your local parish. Yeah. It's good to because your priest definitely needs funds and your parish building definitely needs funds. But there's that conundrum, how much of that money is going to the diocese and then from there, how much of that money is going to the USCCB. And that, and that's where I always get really worried. So now, does, do the bishops tax every yeah. collection basket? They, they, they tax every parish. And it's based on how many people are at the parish and how, how much money that parish is drawing in. It's really amazing. Like, okay, so uh, Michael's talk was phenomenal. 
Um, and him too. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm floored by the humility of you men just coming and hanging with us. Like, oh, I, I've been watching Michael. I've been watching you for years. Watching you on Tim Gordon's show. Watching oh, everybody's show. I watch you go on, and I'm just like, these men are the men that are actually concerned with the future of the church. They're the ones that are trying to figure out, okay, something is wrong here, and it needs to be fixed. I can't thank you enough for even coming on. Give oh. us a Michael, you're amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Absolutely. man. This is, guys, if you knew when these conferences go on, it's not like there's a seg- a separate place for the speaker like we're all hanging out just trying to be catholic <laughs> men having conversation we've been having an amazing time so if there if there another one of these pops up i hope you guys come and, and join us for it so um uh, well i'm gonna go get interviewed by john henry weston now margo i know you want to talk go ahead margo what do you have to say Nothing. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Oh, oh, like, shortest interview ever. <laughs> Margo's been awesome all weekend. She's been supporting everybody. Her and Connor did a show earlier. So, Rob, we're going to wrap this one up. I'm going to go hang with everybody. Um, I see how it is. I what? see how it is. I don't even, even I, get interviewed. I will interview oh, Margo. I'll do another interview with Margo tomorrow. You stay, right? Yes. I'll, I'll come back again tomorrow. Excellent. So owe me an interview, and you're not leaving here until you do. I promise you, we will. So, um, I just wanted to at least touch base tonight and just let everybody know what these yeah. are like. Like, I'm having such a great time. Yeah, Michael's been awesome. Uh, John Henry Weston, Kennedy, Trevor Alcorns. We're having such a fun time. You guys should all join us if you if you're in the area. Come for tomorrow's tomorrow's guest. I'm gonna have to schedule my my next born child to not interfere with these conferences. It, honestly, this was this was a fun conference. I'm having the time of my life. So, all right, Rob, take us out, man, and we'll we'll wrap this one up.